welcome to the My Curious Colleague podcast with your host, me, Denise Veneri. We'll be talking all things consumer relations with a focus on consumer product goods organizations and the brand specialist and analyst roles and responsibilities. So if you like CPGs, like I like CPGs, marketing, insights, and caring deeply for your consumers, well, take a listen. Hello, my curious colleagues. Today, my guests, yes, that's plural, guests are my colleagues, John Cox and Richard Wakianda, both from the Wellness Pet Company. John is Senior Manager of Consumer Affairs Marketing at the Wellness Pet Company and has been leading that function for the past 10 years. He was elected to the SOCAP National Board in 2018, then in 2020 was elected to serve as the chair-elect and now as current chair. He is dedicated to keeping SOCAP at the forefront of professional development associations for the consumer experience industry. Richard is a senior corporate food safety and quality assurance manager. He has 20 years of experience in both the human and animal food. And Richard is the recall coordinator, among other things that he does, for managing product recalls. So obviously, he works very closely with the consumer affairs teams, which really gives him that invaluable insight to best practices for managing recalls or handling complaints. So hello, Richard, and welcome back to the podcast, John. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Looking forward to today's discussion. Perfect. Perfect. My curious colleagues, you may remember John from podcast episode number 35 uh, called Recall 101 of sorts. And it was really there during that conversation that the idea for a follow-up episode to really to, to, to really start looking deeper into mock recalls was born. And I feel we really hit the jackpot with having Richard from John's company join us here today. Okay, guys, this is what I know. I know mock recalls are important because when you prepare, you can be better, you can better ensure success for anything. Um, But what might be some other reasons to conduct a mock recall? And I know, Richard, we had talked briefly in the pre-chat, you had quickly mentioned something like some retailers may require a certified one. Um, but so so tell me a little bit more about that. And then what other reasons might it make sense to develop a mock recall plan? Yeah, I think I think when you touched on the practice, right, it's just it's practice, practice, practice. I don't think there's, you know, a substitute to that. Um, and you'd be surprised when you have a recall, um, you know, how, how, you know, if you gaps can, can be evident if you haven't practiced this. Um, so, you know, I think that's the one I would say. I think I just repeat that, you know, practice, practice, practice. Um, then beyond that, right, um, there is, you know, uh, some, regula- uh, some regulatory comp- uh, um, bodies that require it, not FDA per se. Uh, in our industry, the FDA doesn't require it. It does require a recall plan. And uh, as part of the recall plan, you know, we do say, you know, we conduct a mock recall. Um, 
So that's just one way. There's some states that might require it, depending on your industry that you're in, in animal food, but you know, we don't have any state that requires that, but they could inspect you and ask you that question. Um, another reason why you could also have that is um, some of your customers, um, you know, uh, the Walmarts, the, the Chewy.coms, the, the Amazons, um, and Costco. Um, some, some of the big brands, uh, uh, retail uh, brands would you know, require that as part of their doing business with them. Um, there's also, if you have some kind of um, food safety or quality certification, um, typically for us, it's under GFSI. Um, so we have BRC, there's SQF, there's different schemes that people are under, and those do require uh, you to conduct a mock recall and you know you will not get a good grade if you don't have that completed so that's uh, among the typical ones that you hear um there's also sometimes if you have recall insurance um the insurers will you know will check to see if you have conducted you know uh, both you know you have a recall plan and also mock recall and for, uh, uh, conducted so that's typically what the reasons why you have it but i think you know the, the, the top one there you know talking about practice. Um, I don't think there's a substitute to that. That's the biggest reason. Okay. So I understand, um, Richard, and this one's for you, that often um, CPG companies may hire an outside consultant to assist in this certification process. Um, what, in your experience, is the role of, of this consultant? You know, you don't, you know, it's not a requirement, um, but it's one of those best practices that I have over the years, uh, learned it's the best way to be impartial, um, to give you an outside view, because sometimes you can be in, in your own bubble and you know and you think you got it all, and unless you bring somebody in, and you don't have to do it uh, every single time you have a mock recall. I would say, you know, I would recommend if you have never done a mock recall and you want to get somebody outside to do an assessment of how well, first of all, your recall plan, and then conduct a mock recall, I said this is when you would bring in uh, an outside consultant. Um, again, it depends on how comfortable you, you as an organization or as a group are. Uh, but I think there is value to being bringing somebody in who is impartial, gives you an industry best practice, um, especially if you know you're in a unique um, industry. But I think the same rules apply in terms of you know the stages. So um, that's what I would recommend you know, if you can. Get an outside yeah, consultant to help you. Yeah, I do, I do love a good best practice here on the My Curious Colleague, Richard. Thank you for that. All right, now for this question, and this is going to be for John, I, I'm thinking that some of our colleagues may not have the resources to hire a consultant or may not have the need to. Um, so let's kind of go with that scenario. Um, and again, this is for John. So it's like a, you know, let's get into the steps. So who typically owns at a high level this mock recall process, John? And then sort of next step in my mind is who are the points of co of uh, contacts, the POCs that would get involved in the in the mock recall? Sure. Well, I mean, luckily at our company, Richard and his colleagues own the own the mock recall process, which is fantastic. There, there, uh, you know, we, we've had you know we've had a few, so they've got the process down really really good. Uh, and, you know, they do a really good job to bring in um, as many people that would be involved in a, you know, in a real recall uh, in, the re in, in, a, in a real situation. Right. So 
the food safety and quality team is involved. Uh, the consumer affairs team is involved. Um, communications and marketing are involved, right? The folks that are going to be preparing releases and working with uh, legal counsel and outside agencies for, for press releases and all that good stuff. Um, sales and operations is involved. Um, warehousing, both uh, internal and third-party warehousing are involved. Um, the plants, right, where the food, where the where the mock food, you know, where the, the mock recall product is coming from um, is involved. So they really do a great job of involving all of the folks that are going to be involved in a real life uh, recall. All right. We've got the players identified. How might the team then, because it sounds like John tossed this, this ownership uh, happily over to you all for the mock recall process. So how, how might you, um, and get into the details here, kick off uh, a mock recall, Richard? So it's, it starts with, um, you know, the first thing you want to definitely do is get the buy-in from your organization. You want to let the, um, at, at the minimum, your senior leadership team um, included here. And that's, you know, that would be the first step. I would say, you know, this is a situation we want to do because uh, we need them, especially because you're talking about different departments here. And so they're the department heads. And so you may need them to commit some time of their, you know, typical day. Um, and so it's important when they hear it from a senior leadership that, you know, they need to spend, and it depends on your functional, um, that, you know, how many hours, it might be two hours, it might be four hours. So we do need that buy-in. So I think it starts with me. It's just, you know, letting the senior leadership buy into that. And, and then once we have that, we pick a date, um, and we, you know, we'll pick a product. Uh, we'll pick a situation. It could be uh, something, you know, microbiological. We could say we have found, um, or the FDA has tested for one of our products and they found some kind of microbiological agent, like salmonella. Um, they could also have some physical contamination, um, like glass or plastic. Um, and it could just be some, you know, allergen. Like if you, you know, in, in, in animal food, there's not really allergen control, but, you know, in, in other industries, I know allergen is one of the biggest uh, drivers of, uh, of recall. So, you know, I always tell people to pick something that, you know, is common to the industry or, you know, something in the recent news. So, you know, picking a situation that is relevant is number one. Once you've done that, um, is then figure out, okay, how do you, notification right how, how does the incident get notified um is it a phone call is it an email that you're going to be getting you know do they stimulate an email or a phone call and there you want to see how well your team escalates first of all records it um is your system able to pick that up and elevate it um, for so for example for ours we have an automatic notification system if one of of John's team gets a call from the FDA. It says FDA call, and those get notified. It's logged in as an FDA notification. Those are now sent over to me, and I'll review it. Um, and or if it's urgent, you know, typically it's just behave. You know, uh, Richard, we have the FDA on the line, and you know, we drop everything, and you know, we'll listen to them. So that's you know, we want to you know understand the different ways of initiation. Uh, once we have a you know uh, assessed. 
the, the situation and it's something that requires uh, a recall, we would then get into um, what, you know, you need to conduct a health assessment, right? You need to figure out, you know, how serious is this um, uh, issue? And, th and typically, as part of your mock recall, you do a health assessment. It's a form that you complete that goes into severity, likelihood, and, you know, probability. And you go through those and just, you know, making sure that you assess the situation correctly. And if you all determine that it's something that needs to be recalled, we all as a team will sit down and say the decision is to recall. And so, you know, you want to have that practice of doing that uh, because that's a very critical part of initiating a, a mock recall um, after you've been notified or you've found something internally. So um, that's the first step um, of, of is just create a situation, create, pick a product and a date uh, that you would do that. Perfect. You know, when you have this sort of, you know, alleged situation that you're creating, remind me, I mean, obviously senior leadership has to know this is a mock recall and you, Richard, would know it's a mock recall. Now, does John know it's a mock recall over in Consumer Affairs? Yeah, we do. We will we will notify John um, in and the team, and we'll say you know we'll pick a date uh, because you know yeah. it, it, it during the pandemic it was interesting because when we did the last one it was during the pandemic and everybody was home and so it was you know we had the technology to be able to meet so you had to notify people to be available as opposed to in the office I can just go and say hey listen we must go to the conference room and you know yeah. start you know doing this so. Um, that is, you know, uh, it's important to do it that way, but, um, it's, yeah, it's, I, I think to me, it's just using, uh, using the technology to, 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 to initiate it this way is, is helpful. All right, Richard. So now I, I want to kind of go down a level lower and, and take me through it. What's, what's in the mock recall plan from your vantage point versus, you know, kind of what's not in it. Because I know in a real recall, God forbid, you would have to like do it all. So what is that? Um, what are those points that you do uh, flesh out and work through in the mock versus a real life situation? Yeah. So in a mock recall, I think as we've said, you know, you, there's, there's typically three stages, right? We, we, we divide into three stages. There's initiation, right? Which is what we talked about. If you have identified an issue... Uh, you've done health as, health hazardous assessment. You have notified the FDA because you have to notify them if 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 there's something that you discovered. Um, and then the, the second stage is what we call execution. Right now we've executed. We're saying, all right, we're now going to do a mock recall. We're now going to do a recall, which is what you would also need to do the mock recall. So you need to go and figure out what's the product, where is the product, who did you ship it to. How much and when, right? So you need to do what you call a traceability. That's your basic traceability, where you want to go and look at, you know, your, your your ship history of that product and who which customers got that product and when. Um, and at the same time, when you're doing a traceability, we also what we call a mass balance is making sure what you what the, the facility says they produced is as close to what is shipped, right? Um, and it, sometimes we look for an accuracy between 98.5 to 101. It's always some error, but you want to be as accurate as you can. And so when you do the traceability, you know, it has to be as close as you can. So that you can identify who you want to notify. Right? And if 
you don't do a good job of traceability, what happens is then it becomes this big communication that now you don't have control. You need to now notify more people than you typically would, uh, it, depending on the level of your recall. So the traceability is a big part of it. Um, also during execution, we also do do um, corrective actions. Uh, we want to say we will just take a scenario and we'll have, if it's a manufacturing facility, we will have them complete a corrective action, a preventative action uh, form. They would complete it as if it's a real event. So we can see how well they will investigate it, what's the root cause, and what the corrective actions will be placed in there. Um, once that is done, we've identified that. We've done a traceability. We have now identified the root cause. It's now communication, right? Now we ex part of execution is communication, right? So this is where um, the, the marketing team or the crisis management team would have scripts or FAQs or um, um, letters that they would have to create. So we take a look at that. And, you know, one of the good practices, I would say best practices, you know, is make sure you create letters for different scenarios. So, you know, we've had different recalls and over the years, and some of them are out there in, 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 the, uh, in the market that you can look at, and it can be one for a, a microbiological incident, it could be one for foreign material incident, or it can be one for chemical. So, you know, have them create that script and see how it is responded and, you know, reviewed it. And then what we stopped is we don't, this is where you stop, you, you know, we don't notify our customers. Uh, we do not okay. do that um, because, you know, it, it can sometimes be out of control. I know some people who may just call retail and say, this is a practice. It's up to you if you want to do that. If you have really good relationship with your retailers or your customers, you can choose one who you trust can understand it's a mock recall. And, you know, as, as, as always, whenever, we, as, whenever we're doing a mock recall, if it's an email, it's always we mock recall test only so we always you know ensure that that is something we do um we had to do that especially when we had the um uh remote because when we did this which is a good exercise because sometimes you know we're not all in the office could be off hours you know as well to make sure when you're sending an email that it has that um header like that test only mock recall so the, the yeah. disclaimer and then there. Actually, that's where you would so so those are the things that we included what you don't include is the you know, notification, you know, you know, the withdrawal, how do you get the product back, um, post recall assessment, things that you would typically do if you had a recall. You don't really need to get that, but um, that's where you would start. Okay, got it. All right, let me toss it over to John. I think, John, we're still in that phase two on the execution. Um, from your vantage point or your perspective, what are some of the best practices um, for the mock recall, and what are the ones that you, you know, by design are not doing for the mock recall? Um, so, I mean, some of the things that we like to think about is uh, how quickly can you turn your dedicated recall hotline, you know, toll-free number on or off. Um, we don't go as far as actually turning it on, um, but we make sure that we're, we're working with the proper team uh, to make sure that it gets turned on in a timely manner and uh, the, you know, reviewing the process for making that happening, um, you know, IVRs, right? So we wouldn't go to the level of actually recording one, but we would maybe come up with a script to potentially add something to the IVR. It really depends on 
the type of uh, recall sometimes you want to throw it in there some in, historically we have historically we have and it really depends on the level right. and type of uh, recall that you're involved in another one is uh, making sure that the that the dedicated email that you have for recalls is functioning properly and uh, is an active email uh, yeah. that it's able to go into your queues that you have your proper queues turned back on so that uh, you know we have a dedicated email and we make sure that it imports into our system into a queue and it's uh, a queue that you know multiple people have access to as a you know instead of my my traditional team it may, my team may get a little bit bigger with folks that are helping out and assisting so we yeah. make sure that all the right people have access to the queues um, we 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 think about return uh, and refund practices is it going to be coupon based is it going to be um, you know what's the proof of purchase requirements are we going to ask them to return the product to the retailer? Uh, you know, we consider those types of things. We also think about uh, the protocols for the website, right? Do we, you know, in the past we've put, depending, again, depending on the type of recall, do we put a letter from the CEO or do you put a notice to consumers where they can click a link to learn a little bit more? Uh, where do you put it on the website? Do you put it on the product page? Do you put it on the contact us page? Those are discussions that we sort of, talk about um and then and then there's sort of like richard said right there's the faq documents um there's you know making sure that there's rev control for those um news releases are they going to be posted to the website or are you just going to not post it to the website so those are things that we that we sort of are constantly uh you know learning about as, as part as part of uh, um, uh things that we're thinking about during during the mock results from 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 my from our from my end so like a lessons learned or a yeah 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 and i think hopefully we we catch on the end right the the end the post analysis the uh you know what do we do and how can we do better great um okay so richard back to you <laughs> i think you touched on it and um how much time should you set aside from you know that start to finish of a mock recall and then how, what is the frequency of doing one so we have um you know there's two scenarios you can do it if it's in person and in the office um, this can be done in a day and what you do is you break up the day you can have you know a, you know you schedule your day where you say the initiation team could be, you know, we would first have an opening meeting. We would have with the senior leadership of everybody. And then you'd close it for half an hour. And then you'd go to the next team where you would say, all right, then they would, you know, all right, let's, let's have the consumer affairs team um, come in and take calls and see how that goes. Uh, and then you have, you know, you go through all these different stages. They don't all have to be available. Um, I mean, some people, like, for example, me as being the coordinator would have to be through all that day. So if it's in person, it can be done in a day. Uh, even le sometimes less than a day. Now, if it's remote, um, and again, it depends on how much was the availability, and if it's just one site that's included. Some, you know, we we always typically include one of our manufacturing sites, and so you want to, you know, communicate with them and see how the availability is because it's a production facility. Um, and you can sometimes break it up into two, right? You can do half one day and half another day. Um, so, you know, I think in most typically a day is sufficient. Uh, to complete it. It's less than I thought it would be. Um, but you're like yeah. pretty much the people that are involved in the mock recall are like, yeah. you know, you're at the, go ahead. 
Yeah, I, I, I think, again, it starts with what I said in the beginning is, you know, if you've got the commitment from senior leadership and, and the team has been, you know, prepped and they know this is something that's important, that it's critical and everybody's ready, I think that's, that's it makes it easier. And the frequency, you're doing one every... Once a year. Yeah, once a year. We're required to do once a year. Our, 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 our plan requires us to do once a year. Um, it's good practice to just do a mock recall. Um, and then what I would say is on a quarterly basis, we have what we call recall maintenance. Um, this is where you're just making sure that your documents are up to date. So, so for example, you know, you want to make sure your contact list is accurate. If somebody has left the company, is that person still, who's the replacement and who's the alternative? Um, the phone numbers, you know, if somebody's cell phone number is, you know, do they have a cell phone number available? Uh, you know, your customers, you know, are they still the same as somebody new being added? So those kind of things you want to do, well, I call recall maintenance, which is once a quarter. It doesn't mm-hmm. take that long. It can be done, you know, we do that as a good practice uh, to make sure that, you know, everything is accurate because what you don't want to do is you don't want to do a traceability and you identify a customer and you go and you don't have the contact information. So, you know, that can be, you know, can, can take a lot of time. And again, the more you have, at hand doing a recall, the better execution you can get. Okay. Thanks for bringing us home there. We are at the end of the podcast and um, I do like to ask my guests if they have a volunteer group they'd like to give a shout out to. Um, I think the pandemic, you know, I mean, something we, we, we know or hear about it, but, you know, uh, the food prices and especially now with inflation, uh, with the, the cost of groceries and cost of food being so um, high for some p- people, um, you know, for me, Feeding America, um, you know, be, you know, is, is, is a volunteer group that, you know, I, you know, want to give a shout out because they do a lot behind the scenes. I know a lot of was shown during the pandemic with long lines. Um, and also when it's, you know, there's no attention, the, the local food bank, um, you know, those, those folks do a lot uh, in terms of stocking, collecting food. So, you know, I would just want to just give a shout out to Feeding America and also the folks who walk out in local food banks. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, shout out, Richard. And thank you both for joining me today on probably a very busy Saturday to uh, chat with me. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for having us. I- uh, Denise, thank you again. It's always, it's always a pleasure to be on your podcast. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise Veneri. Thank you for your time. <laughs>